Lou Moore with the Washington Research Council. I'm here today with uh, Dr. Chris Schobloom, our research uh, director and senior economist. And we're very pleased to have a special guest by the name of Dave Gehring, who is the executive director of the Manufacturing Industrial Council uh, that has offices over at South Seattle Community College. Dave, welcome to Policy Today. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about the Manufacturing Industrial Council, or the MIC. Just give sure, us a little we, idea of what's going on here. We're an adv- advocacy group for in- traditional industrial businesses that are doing business in and around Seattle. Uh, we've existed for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, have had a lot of successes, have had a lot of challenges. Um, some of those are just purely informational, you know, helping people understand how much industry there is in Seattle. Um, and I'd say mostly it's been successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of the progressive leadership that you find in Seattle has been fairly attuned to this stuff if you keep explaining it and and helping them understand the real community value that's derived from this kind of industrial base sure so my first question is how much industry is there in seattle oh there's there's a lot the city just did a survey and found about one hundred and six thousand industrial jobs in the city which was significantly more than they expected to find usually they only measure within the designated uh industrial centers which were part of the growth management act when they looked outside of that at the entire city they found one hundred and six thousand industrial jobs if those were city residents we'd be the sixth biggest city in the state of washington uh, between bellevue and everett so um, manufacturing jobs, uh, one characteristic they have is that th- th- there are some good ones where you don't need a college degree or any kind of an advanced degree. Do you want to talk about that a little well, bit? Well, yeah, that's kind of a, a simplification. There's, they're highly accessible for entry points. The pay, of course, would not always be great at those entry points, although historically they've tended to be better pay than comparable non-skilled service jobs. The real distinguishing characteristic is 40 hours a week and benefits makes them very different. That that emerged when the city did the minimum wage increase here a few years ago. Uh, and then the wage progression that occurs is really significant. You you will you will start at a at a not great salary, but you'll get 40 hours a week. You'll get Get benefits, you'll get steady work, and you'll have the ability to really climb the ladder as your skill levels improve. And that then it becomes very true. And you can make some great money in these mm-hmm. jobs. That's that's absolutely true. All kinds of opportunities for advancement into management. Um, uh, the great example in our community is Ray Connor, who's just retiring as the head of the commercial airplane division of the Boeing Company, who started there as a mechanic on the shop floor. I'll be darned. Yeah. Um, so. Um, uh, tell us a little bit more about industry in Seattle. I think you told me that uh, that there was a one zip code that had a tremendous number. Oh, the of- nine eight, uh, the nine eight one zero eight zip code. When you look at federal studies of all the zip codes in the United States, year in year out accounts for about the fourth highest volume of exports in the United States of America. Now that's dominated, the 98108 curves around Lake Washington and takes in the 737 plant uh, in Renton, Mm -hmm. uh, which of course is what boosts you to that kind of stratosphere. Um, But it also accounts for the fact that we make uh, and process way more seafood, electronics, products, machinery than we can possibly consume. Mm -hmm. So 
in uh, finding out more about uh, industrial pursuits in Seattle and in this area, you were telling me the other day about certain uh, sectors of manufacturing that are particularly hot right now or that people are not aware of yes. the developments. Uh, Let's start with that. One, one of the hottest ones is what we would call the metal trades, metal fabricating and machine making. If you're about my age and we were all watching The Graduate back in the late 60s and heard that the secret word was plastics, everything's going to plastics, the success of that sector would tell you how not true that was. <laughs> and one of the hottest sectors over the last 20 years in Seattle in the state of Washington has been old school mom and pop metal fabricators and equipment makers. And some of that's explained by our geography where we are. There's such great markets that we serve for industrial purposes, uh, the Western Canadian province provinces are always a great market alaska the maritime industry which is so large here uh, agriculture in eastern washington proximity to idaho montana oregon states that don't have our manufacturing base so funny that you ask because that's one of the hottest sectors that there is is one of the oldest ones but yeah then there's a lot of really great what you would think of as advanced manufacturing uh one of my favorite companies i've just become familiar with is Thermetrics up in inner bay and the president is a fellow who's on the seattle school board rick burke just a great guy who's really trying to make a difference there they make mannequins that replicate bodily functions so that they can develop testing equipment for industrial clothing that protect you from heat and cold they when rick started there he had gone to ballard high school he took every shop class that they had went on to the u-dub got his degree in engineering started out there as a technician when they had about five employees 20 30 years ago they're up to 50 they have a worldwide market that's what they make so a lot of what they do is making mannequins that sweat for instance. Or he was telling me the other day they just gotten back from Detroit and they were doing a lot of work on human rear ends because of innovations in seats for the car industry. Seattle is just full of that stuff along with some of the old school stuff go over you could get a tour anytime with them through the management at Nucor steel the plant over in west seattle very good neighbor open to the community that's probably the oldest industrial building maybe in the state of washington it opened in 1906 that might be the most productive and most profitable piece of industrial real estate in the state of washington and Nucor steel they do recycling of steel is that they, they're, they're, is that right? the type of mill yeah that the u.s started innovating um in terms of avoiding the, the the giant complex processes that took place, you know, like in England that really got the steel industry going during the Industrial Revolution. And so, yeah, they're basically recycling everything. Uh, you melt it and then you create rebar out of it. And uh, almost all the rebar that's going into the building boom in downtown Seattle is coming out of that mill. It's a sort of... <clears throat> locally sourced natural material that uh, natural resource that goes into that you don't have to be. that that was the beauty of <laughs> it, it yes. as an industry yeah it's very environmentally friendly oddly enough and when you combine it with our hydro-based uh, electricity uh, power supply to provide the heat to melt the steel that was already made somewhere else it's amazingly environmentally friendly but an old school, if you visit it, I mean, there's occasional steel, steam explosions that you hear as all the, the, the stuff is getting mixed up. Uh, but the workers there make very good wages, extraordinary wages, come from all over western Washington every day to work there. It's a, just an excellent company. So uh, 
Dave, we hear a lot today about the changing workplace, about you know how dynamic our economy is with all the new technological inputs, it seems like, on a daily basis, and uh, the market's changing overseas and, and, and whatnot. Um, and, and that brings me to the topic of job training. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't train for one job. You have to be trained continually throughout your life. And, uh, and it's uh, something that's pretty obvious, but uh, many studies show that if you have the skills needed for the jobs that are out there now, you are not going to be suffering wage stagnation or some of the other yeah. problems that we're worried about as a society. Your wages are going to be uh, going up. And so you've got a program called Core Plus mm-hmm. that is a job training program. Tell us about that. Well, Core Plus is based on uh, work-based STEM skills, so science, technology, engineering, and math. A very trendy label for skills that are just about as old as the pyramids. And that's kind of the key. The kids today need to learn some real basics that are almost unchanged from antiquity in terms of material science, in terms of the math skills, kind of how the physical world all works. You have to be current on the technology, on the mechanical and electronic applications of all that stuff. If those kids get a good base in that stuff in high school, the world is their oyster right now, and I think probably will be for a long time. We've so lost touch, most of us, if you're not really being put in that environment anymore uh, the days when you would learn this stuff working with your dad in the garage fixing the family car are long gone uh, the days when when the government made it uh, very easy to have summer jobs is long gone um, but man if the kids have got those basics they they have got a terrific path forward and the good thing that i think about those jobs in terms of diversity is the machinery the equipment they're working on do not care what gender you are they don't care what color you are they don't care what country you come from or what language that you speak and so uh, it's very user-friendly but it's a meritocracy you've got to have those skills or you're not going to make it you're going to have to understand safety first of all uh that but but you know that involves your responsibilities a human being to each other uh it's what prepares you to be a good neighbor a good family member and that's really what core plus is based on and we came up with some terrific concepts out of some research that we did with about two dozen employers uh terrific cooperation and partnership with the boeing company and core plus this might get longer so you'll have to stop me if it if it if i go down a rat hole uh we started with knowledge skills and abilities required for an entry-level job in aircraft manufacturing boeing was able to tell us okay here's what those are and then through a facilitated process with an outside consultant over the course of about eight months nine months we created a network of about 25 companies that reviewed that and said well do you need this do you need that skill you know to what level do they need to have it uh And that kind of gave birth to this aha moment when you realized about 90% of these skills are the same. It doesn't matter if you're building boats, houses, tree houses, airplanes, you know, there's just a real set of core skills that prepare you for that job. And the good thing about it that I think for parents and educators and kids and, and the community, it really starts with personal responsibility. Can you can you conduct yourself safely around tools and electricity and you know uh, engines and 
and those things. And so if you can, then you can put these kids in environments where they can practice kinetic learning, which opens the door then to so many other kids that aren't served well academically, as well as the brainiac, you know, future you know, in, engineers and doctors, the, literally the rocket scientists will come out of this kind of training. And, and that's what all the research tells you. So it's really been a wonderful initiative. And right now it's at about, there are core plus trained teachers at about 50 schools across the state of Washington. It's taught in formats and content areas ranging from metal fabricating to electronics to manufacturing to construction, boat building, aircraft building. So uh, again, you find out that all those different outcomes are fueled by the same very similar skill sets so, so there it's a curriculum where they take some very general classes and then they take some specific classes to these yeah, various it's in one class that you would have uh, for uh, in one version at a regular high school, you'd get 180 hours of instruction in an hourly shop class. I call it a shop class. That's what they are. Some people don't like it when you call it that anymore, but that's exactly what this stuff is. There's a version of this that can be taught in that format in a year and 180 hours. If they get a second year, they've had 360 hours. There are then skill center high schools that are dedicated vocational programs. Those classes, the kids get three hours a day. So that could be up to 1,080 hours by the time they finish their second year in it. The curriculum hits a high enough standard uh, thanks to a tremendous contribution of about $750,000 by the Boeing company. We were able to take all of this and translate it into just an outstanding written curriculum. And then we took that to the State Board of Education about a year ago. It was good enough. They, they have merited it worthy of science, math, and language arts credit. So if you're teaching it to the right standard at your local school, our kids are getting academic credit for what would be regarded as a shop or a vocational class. So about how many students, uh, say, last year took well, in 50, these it's it's kind of hard to pin down a little bit harder than you might think uh probably between 1500 and 2000 students that's a year though you know different ones going through there's probably 400 high schools in our state that are still equipped to teach this kind of program so that's so we may only be hitting about 10 percent of the total mm -hmm. um, and there's some very creative things happening within the program that might enable it to scale up more than that so, so that was my next question what do you think the capacity is i mean uh, how many how many students do you have I any idea i that will you still be alive that you know and and doing this stuff and that we have hit the market i think there will always be more job openings for this kind of training right now than we can meet Mm -hmm. And so companies in the state of Washington right now are importing a very large number of workers to do this kind of stuff, which is the real tragedy that we missed the boat on this for so long. They should be hiring local kids. That's what drove the Boeing company to be such a great sponsor of it. And mm -hmm. when you get those folks interested in something and committed to it, they are a wonder to behold. And in this case, they really stepped up. And so we couldn't have done it on our own without them. We're now, though, applying it to maritime to to uh, marine construction and repair, which will be another very strong sector of it, and then to construction. And all the same skills support the construction industry. And uh, it, it's not, I don't have an audio for you, but that's a visual. We just had a steering committee meeting yesterday. That's how this, the learning modules break down for the three different sectors. Mm -hmm. And you'll see the stuff in red, the core, that could be taught in a 180 hour a year shop class. Mm -hmm.
So the core here, uh, shop tools, safety, precision measurement, fasteners, drilling, riveting, uh, and then over to the, the, the second semester, things like math for manufacturing, rigging, hydraulics, and pneumatics. Yes. And, uh, and many, many other specialties it's on amazing. that list. If you're an 18-year-old and you know that stuff, you are absolutely employable right now i mean for a career we we hope you don't have to take a job right out of high school but the nice thing is you're prepared to if you have to mm-hmm. uh we're hoping then you're going on to a community college or a baccalaureate program or an apprenticeship program so uh what else is going on at the mic other than than your support of core plus and gosh uh we um, people don't know that Seattle might be the only city in North America that has a freight mobility strategic master plan, uh, which we accomplished after 20 years of effort uh, brought over the finish line by Mayor Ed Murray. Uh, it had been a campaign promise that he made to us when he ran for mayor four years ago, and he fulfilled it. Seattle being Seattle. We were bitching and moaning for years about, you don't have a freight plan. You don't have a freight plan. Well, it turned out almost no city has a freight plan, but Seattle does. It's kind of that wonderful thing about Seattle that drives us all crazy, where we've got such a good brew going all the time of different ideas and arguments and debates about things. So we had no idea that what we were asking for was something that that almost no city has, but now we have one. That gives us a really sound policy basis now for talking to the city about transportation issues. So a bunch of things are opening up around that that would only be of interest probably to the freight community, but are very very key to how Seattle functions as a city. Um, There's a a new a strategic plan being prepared for Seattle City Light that we're excited about. We've maybe never done as good of a job as we could as a community of saying you have this publicly owned electrical generating system that is driven almost entirely by hydropower. It is carbon-free electricity in an era and a town that puts such a premium on concern about climate change. What is that worth? What other whatever companies could we be bringing here? I mean, you're able to combine in a way maybe that, you know, because of the Niagara system, they only can in New York in our nation for combining hydropower with industrial output. That's a remarkable resource. We should be out there recruiting companies that could really be taking advantage of that and providing really good jobs in Seattle. So that's something that's on our horizon. Uh, we're very excited and concerned, as everyone is, about the round of city elections. Uh, the mayor's race, we think, will be really, really important. And uh, I'm probably leaving other things out, but but those are probably the but, number. What, 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 not, without, without getting into candidates or whatnot, but what immediate uh, city issues do you think relate to, to your concerns? Uh, land use. Uh, principally again ed murray uh, launched a review that's been going on now for about 14 months of industrial zoning uh, industrial zoning is a, is a civic colonoscopy that happens every 10 years whether you need one or not it's my third go around it's 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 horrible it's uncomfortable uh you have to do it though and in a real estate market like this one it's always a battle and um i've been through two this is the third one i think this one will turn out fine for industry and it's the key of how do you hang on to your ability to have the land necessary to support this kind of 
of activity. It was during that zoning effort that they identified the 106,000 industrial jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a terrific metric uh, to show anybody in the political spectrum of Seattle uh, why this stuff is so important. It's because of that job benefit. And then in addition to that, just incredible wealth creation for the city. So that's that's the key. And then I've, I've been around long enough, again, to have gone through this over the 20 years. This is my third go around on the land use issue. And then the city has to step up. It isn't enough just to do the zoning. I mean, we've we've had two successful efforts in 20 years to maintain the zoning, but then they've got to have support programs for these companies. They have real specific needs. And as government changes, regulations change, uh, these companies typically can meet the regulations, the dramatic changes in environmental compliance has happened within my lifetime uh but you know you got to stay on top of that and you have to have the right training for the government people who are responsible for it and we can kind of all get what we want but we need predictability in the system mm-hmm. okay so uh, looking a little more broadly than seattle uh looking across the state uh, w- what would you like to see happen to to just help manufacturing you know what about the rural areas the rural areas are uh a constant concern because they're not in many cases experiencing the prosperity uh, that we are in Puget Sound. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on some of that? I think some of the work that you guys are doing is really, really important. And again, mostly we focus on Seattle because uh, that's kind of what's within our reach. But when you can help people across the whole political spectrum understand the value of this stuff why it matters so much why if you want greater income less income inequality you know what you need to do about that how do you support the production part of your economy that's an old-fashioned term but that's what this stuff is and this state is just incredibly blessed in that because of the agricultural base the timber base you know the natural resource base people don't talk about oil but we're one of the leading petroleum producers in the nation uh, that's an important industry to us our our self-generating hydro system carries all kinds of responsibilities and opportunities along with it for great careers and jobs in all parts of our state if everybody really understands that and knows how to help meet their labor needs um and then you've got everything that goes along with that along with sort of the man-made part and uh we we tend to really not appreciate how large the maritime sector is uh i think the only because i've got both of those those sectors are kind of the twin pillars of the mic and the only reason we don't understand maritime better is aerospace is so big it sort of overwhelms everything and that's unfortunate because we've got just a heck of a maritime sector uh, literally goes back to Juan de Fuca there was a man you know 1592 before the pilgrims arrived they had found the strait of Juan de Fuca and uh, our maritime tradition just about goes back that far. And that's a tremendous base. These are things, you know, you'd almost have to on purpose screw it up to not be able to take advantage of it. And when you take advantage of it, I don't care what your public sector interest is, almost, you're going to find the value in this then is the job value. How do we make it so our residents get these jobs that you don't have to import people? Mm-hmm. Great. Dave, you're a wealth of information no. about manufacturing, and, and uh, we are, I'm sure, going to be calling on you uh, in the future yeah. as we go, go through this uh, the series of uh, reports on manufacturing jobs and their importance to the economy. 
this is Lou Moore with the Washington Research Council. I've been here today with Chris Showbloom and our special guest, Dave Gehring of the Manufacturing Industrial Council. And we thank you for joining us You're as welcome. well.